Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Short Tales, a series of short stories written and read by me, Damien Robb. We'll get to this episode's story shortly, but first, since this is the second and final part of the story, I want to remind you where we left off. So... We're with Marujula, who after getting a referral from her doctor, Larissa, to a pair of musicians, Sebastian and Hannah, and explaining to them that she's been infected by a song she heard at a cultural festival by an unknown woman playing an unknown instrument, Sebastian and Hannah have hooked her up to a vibrometer, a machine which measures vibrations, and confirmed that, sure enough, she had a song stuck under her skin. Now, they have to figure out how to get rid of it. Okay, you ready? Good. This is the conclusion to Infected in E Minor. All four of us sit around the laptop. Sebastian clicks the mouse, coercing the machine to turn vibrations into a sound pattern, while Hannah watches intently. She plucks, almost unconsciously, at the strings of a guitar, playing a tune both sweet and slow. Larissa sits beside me, delightfully animated, and asks a series of questions about the song and my symptoms and other inquiries of a medical nature that don't always make sense to me, but that I nevertheless try to answer. I'm enjoying talking with her, The excitement of her extroversion is strangely appealing to me. Okay, Sebastian says. I think we're ready to give this a listen. I'm suddenly nervous. If it works, I'll hear the song again, but from outside for a change, and I don't know what effect that'll have on me. Or the others. What if, by listening to it, they catch whatever I have? Wait, I start to say to Sebastian, but it's too late. He clicks a button and the music begins. It's slightly robotic, perhaps due to the translation from vibration to noise, or maybe just the low quality of the laptop speakers. But it's definitely the song. My heart races and I wait for its effect to start. But it doesn't. It's just noise from a speaker. I look to the others, but they seem similarly unaffected. I breathe out a sigh of relief and listen. The notes play in the right order and tempo, and a shiver goes up my back at this concrete proof of the song's existence inside of me. I expect to feel it squirm under my skin in response, but thankfully it stays still. The song finishes and the others all look at me. I nod. Sebastian leans back in his chair and puts a hand to his face. Wow, he says. Well, there's no doubt now, he snorts in astonishment. (laughs) You have a song inside you. Infected by a song, Larissa echoes in disbelief. We all take a second to think about that. I didn't recognise the tune. Hannah proclaims into the silence. But if we listen to it again, I'm sure Seb and I can figure out the chords. It was hard to tell with it being so monotone, but I think it was in E minor, Sebastian adds, moving to press play again. Wait, I say, 
do you think that's wise? I mean, thank you, but what if we're just multiplying the problem? What if by producing the music, we're helping to spread the infection? I don't think we need to worry about that, Larissa says. I have a theory brewing. I haven't entirely fleshed it out, but I think if the song was capable of infecting others, we'll all have it by now. We've all been around you and we've all heard the song. For whatever reason, you seem to be the only one who's susceptible. I look at her, unsure. How about this? For now, the only people that will hear or read the music will be the four of us, Larissa suggests. We know we're unlikely to get sick, and even if we do, well, it's a price I'm willing to pay. Hannah and Sebastian nod in agreement. In the meantime, I think we need to get as much information about this song as we can in order to best figure out what we're going to do about it. I'm touched by her words, but I'm still not convinced. Okay, well, for now, I think I'd prefer if only I played the song. I don't want to risk you all unnecessarily if we don't have to. They nod their understanding again. Thank you, I say. And I hope they know just how much I mean it. By the end of the day, Sebastian and Hannah have successfully produced sheet music for my song. The song. Not my song. I don't want to start thinking about it in that context. It turned out to be more challenging than they expected due to the monotonal nature of the recording, but they're both professionals and so kept at it until they had it right. Larissa and I weren't exactly a lot of help. Larissa, it turns out, has little knowledge in the way of music other than an intense and surprising love for Bon Jovi, and I wasn't really in the mood to hear the song any more than I had to. Instead, we went into the adjoining room and talked. It was magic. At first she had more questions about the song, having now heard it for herself, but with time the conversation spread into just about every other topic we could think of. My usual ever-present self-consciousness evaporated at some point during the hours we spoke, although I couldn't have told you when. Instead, I stayed out of my head and simply watched her mouth and listened to her words. The song flared twice during that time, but determined to have it over with, I let it through with little resistance and it played with little effect. I don't think Larissa even noticed. Sebastian comes into the room and tells us they're done. I'm shocked to learn three hours have passed. Hannah hands me the shoot music and I'm unsure how to feel as I look at it. Sebastian suggests I could play it now, but I wave him off. Even with them willing to take the risk of hearing it, I still don't like the idea of it being performed. There's still too much we don't know. With little else left to do, we agree to meet at the studio in a few days' time to see what else we can come up with, figure out the next step. I leave, still amazed not only that I have consistent company, but they seem so keen on trying to help me. I unlock the front door to find an empty house. Dad is no doubt with a client, as he calls them, or at a seminar, or any number of the many things he does professionally to keep himself busy these days. I hang my coat by the door and walk into the darkening house. It's peaceful. I take a deep breath and feel the house around me. I've been walking its halls for so many years that I've obtained an awareness of it that allows me to wear it like a second skin, almost as if I could curl my fingers and cause the kitchen to rise up in response. In actuality, it just means that I know its size and can sense what's going on in other rooms through the recognition of familiar sounds. I keep the lights off as I move into the sitting room near the front of the house. The room is mostly furnished with couches and bookcases, purposely lacking screens of any kind, and is where Dad sees clients if an emergency arises or he can't be bothered going to the clinic. It also houses the piano. It's an August Forster 116D upright piano, and has been sitting against the far west wall since I was two and my parents and I first moved in. It was Mum's, technically, but as the only person left in the house capable of playing it, I suppose it's mine now. I slouch down on one of the couches and look at its tall, wooden silhouette, 
now illuminated mostly by streetlight. I think about how I used to sit and listen as Mum composed her specific brand of haunting melodies on it. Dad always referred to them as ethereal, but I don't have a gift for music. Mostly, I use the tall instrument to play my favourite cover songs, although I have played the occasional original, only ever for myself, though. I know the song wants me to play it. More and more, I think of it as having motivations. It vibrates in a way I translate as enthusiastic whenever my eyes land on the dark panelling of the Forster, and I think wryly that it could try being more subtle. I let out a sigh and rise. I take the sheet music Hannah gave me from my bag and look at it. It looks no different from any other sheet music, but I can't help but think of it as possessed. Then I remember the only one who's possessed around here is me. With that happy thought in mind, I move to the piano and raise the fallboard. I collect the sheet music and can see my fingers shake slightly with the song's ready response. Figuring I can't possibly get more infected than I already am, I place the pages on the music desk and take a seat. With the streetlight, I can just make out the notes on the page. I consider turning on a light, but the darkness feels right somehow, like if I illuminated the music more, it would give it greater strength. I raise my fingers over the keys and begin to play. At first, I have to really concentrate on the notes, think about what I'm playing, but quickly, quicker than usual, the song enters my grasp and I begin to play it cleanly, perhaps because I've become so used to hearing it. As expected, the music inside of me rises up to meet the music without. The two clash, or is it meet? It's hard to tell one from the other when I can hear and feel both moving at the same time. My fingers play of their own accord as the music flows inside them. My head feels hot, and I feel sweat drip down my side, but I can't stop. I'm scared, but there's something else as well. I feel wild, free, untethered, which, once recognised, makes me more scared than before. Terrifies me, in fact. With an extreme force of will, I urge my hands back under my control and purposely out of rhythm. The piano clangs as my fingers strike down on random keys, smashing the song into silence. I realise then that I'm weeping. The dribbling tears turn into flowing ones, and before I know it, I'm bawling. My chest heaves, my head swims, and I feel confused and unsure. Unsure why I'm crying, unsure about what's happening to me. Unsure how to rid myself of this song. When I arrive at the studio a few days later, I can feel anxiety crawling around inside of me next to the song. I don't knock this time, as Hannah said I should just let myself in. The door slides easily and I poke my head inside. Hello? I call out, not entirely confident in just walking in. I don't get an answer, so I slide in the rest of the way and close the door behind me. My nose starts to run. Copious amounts of mucus seems to be the next stage of my musical infection. I've already depleted half a box of tissues and that's only since this morning. I walk further into the studio and pull one of the many tissues from my pocket. The song plays, just a note, then stops. I look to the side and see the Steinway. I hadn't even realised I was standing beside it, but the song had. I freeze. This seems to be another new development, and one that undeniably creeps me out. I remember the tissue in my hand and blow my nose hard, not taking my eyes from the piano. Brugula, was that your nose? I thought someone was blowing a trumpet out here, Sebastian says with his giant grin. You think you might play it today? He asks, referencing the Steinway. Oh, well, I don't. Good morning, Marudula, Hannah says as she enters the room and gives me a mother's hug to add to the greeting. Don't get too close. I don't want you to get sick, I say before realising how unlikely that is. Ah, don't be silly. How are you feeling? Um, I start. I don't know how to answer this. 
The truth is the song has increased its daily playing. My nose runs almost constantly. I feel lethargic, my ears are blocked, and the fever continues to burn. But part of me doesn't want to tell them all that. Part of me wants not to be here, to just go home and hide away from it all. Since the night I played the song, I've done my best not to think about it, to not think about how playing the song made me feel. Okay, I finish, but I can tell by the look on her face that she doesn't believe me. Okay, she says. Well, let me fill you in on what we've been doing. The sound of the door rolling open stops Hannah, and we all look across to see Larissa enter through it. You came, I say before I can stop myself. Of course, she says as she walks towards us. Actually called in sick. It seemed appropriate. She removes the scarf from around her neck and greets the others. She tucks her hair behind her ear, plays with the collar of her sweater for a moment, then looks at me. I realise I'm staring and panic floods my face. This elicits a smile in her and I smile back weakly from underneath the mountain of embarrassment. So, what's new? Larissa asks. Well, we were just about to tell Marudula what we've been working on, Hannah tells her. Basically, trying to infect ourselves with the song, Sebastian says. Yeah, basically, Hannah concludes. What? I ask, shocked at the carelessness of the statement. Why would you do that? It was research, Sebastian says. We tried playing it on every instrument we have to see if we got a response. We thought we might have felt something when I played it on the Steinway, but that could just have been because it sounded nice. It's actually quite a beautiful song when you get down to it. I asked you not to do that, I say, and I feel my shock give way to anger. Yes, we know. However, do you think it's harmless? I ask, then say, it's not, answering my own question. There is something inside of me, a parasite, and you purposely try to encourage its growth after I asked you not to? I can tell they're thrown by the heat behind my words, but for once, I don't care. My hands shake. Marujula, they're just trying to help, Larissa says. What if that's how I got sick? I ask. Because some woman was being reckless, spreading a disease because she thought it sounded pretty. Love, it's okay, Anna starts. It's not okay, I yell. I played it, and do you know how it made me feel? Amazing. It felt good. Like an itch that wants to be scratched. Don't you get it? It wants to be played. That's how it spreads. They say nothing, which only serves to upset me more. Marjula, I don't think that's how. Larissa starts, but I cut her off. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to get out of there. Don't worry about it, I say. I don't think I need your help anymore. I pace from the room. I hear Sebastian call out a small, sorry, as I close it behind me. I wake the next day with a song already playing. Give me a break, I groan, but if anything, the music just gets louder. My body reacts in the usual way and I lie still and try and wait for it to be over. The song finishes and I consider getting up to make breakfast, but find I don't have the energy or the appetite. My throat burns again, my nose runs, I feel tired and sore and full of regret. I briefly considering calling Hannah or Sebastian to apologise. I try not to even think about how much I've blown it with Larissa. But stubbornly, I shove that urge down. It's too dangerous. They need to fear the song like I do, or better yet, forget about it. And me. I need to be alone. I need to remove them from my life and face this burden on my own. That's the smart thing to do. That's the reasonable thing to do. That's the me thing to do. Not that I've been very me lately. With this decision made, I feel a weight drop on me. It doesn't settle, but hits hard, centred somewhere around the base of my neck. The weight drags away any last resolve I had to get up, and I instead settle further down into my bedding. The song starts to play again. There's a knock at the front door. Dad's at a conference, making me the only one home, but I feel in no state to answer. For the past four days, the song's played on repeat, barely giving me ten minutes between each rendition. 
With every recital, I feel infinitesimally worse. I'm sure of it. In fact, I'm beginning to think I might even be dying. I should care more about this fact, but currently oblivion would be a relief. At least the song would stop. The person at the door knocks again, four times. Knock, 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 knock. Also, if I died, the song would go with me, stopping it from infecting anyone else. Although, I suppose I would need to find the woman who played it and ensure she never played it again as well. I don't even know how I would do that. Knock, 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 knock. The person at the door's insistence is starting to annoy me. No one's home as far as they know. They should go sell their product or business or religion somewhere else. The song, which had given me eight brief minutes of silence, ripples under my armpits and then bursts into life across my skin. I groan. Knock, 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 knock. The knocks are getting louder. Maybe Dad's come home early and forgot his keys. But no, there's a spare one hidden under the outside stairway, so that can't be in. Whoever it is, they just need to go away and leave me and the song alone to finish each other off. I wonder if I'm going to vomit again. Or dry reach, at least. There's nothing left in my belly to throw up. Knock, 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 knock. You have got to be kidding me. I am actually angry now. It's not bad enough they have the song constantly hounding me. Now I have these people as well. Knock, 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 knock. The knocking continues, and so does the song, and I growl and get off the bed for the first time in hours. I tramp down the stairs, and my head pounds in time with the incessant knocking. My hair's a mess, my clothes are unwashed, and even with a blocked nose, I know I'm pungent from the four days of sweating through my bedsheets. Good. Hopefully I give whoever it is at the door a good scare. The errant fist still wraps away with forceful persistence. I grab the handle and turn. What? I snarl with pent-up ferocity. Larissa lowers her hand from its knocking position, Anna stands beside her, arms crossed, and looming behind both of them is Sebastian, looking somewhat sheepish. Oh good, you are in, Larissa says unapologetically. I try not to think about how beautiful she looks or how embarrassingly disastrous my appearance is in comparison, and instead try to think of the best way to get rid of them as quickly as possible before I do something stupid. What are you all doing here? I ask. No, actually, first, how do you know where I live? I'm your doctor, remember? We have that kind of thing on file. Larissa points out. Admittedly, I should have thought of that, but after four days of the song playing repeatedly, my head isn't in any state to think things through. And as for the first part of your question, we're here to kidnap you. What? I say as Sebastian steps forward. Sorry, Marudula. His large hands grab me by the waist, picking me up as easily as if I were a puppy. I struggle limply against his shoulder and cry out. Stop! Just leave me alone! I'm sick! I moan. Which is exactly why we're doing this, Anna says. Now, where are your house keys? She waits patiently as I briefly struggle for a few seconds more. There's not a lot I can do in my weakened state, not slung over Sebastian's shoulder. In the bowl by the front door, I say. Oh, great, Hannah exclaims, seeing them. She picks them up and in broad daylight, the three of them finish their felony and carry me into their car. The car ride over is predictably fairly tense. Sebastian talks non-stop on the way, trying to fill the space with normality, but all he's really doing is rambling. As for me, I alternate between feeling sorry for myself, the song and its symptomatic byproducts rock and jolt my body with every movement of the car, and staring at Larissa. She sees me staring and gives me a tight-lipped smile, one that says, sorry, but also, it's for your own good. There's not much I can do with that, so in the end, I just sit back and stare out the window, watching the city streets turn to empty lots as we make our way closer to the docks. I consider making them drag me into the studio once we arrive there, like they did into the car, but think better of it. There's a fine line between stubborn and childish. Plus, it's not really in my makeup to fight back. Or is it? I'm not sure anymore. 
We enter the main part of the studio where all the instruments are, but I don't really register as I'm too filled with anger and adrenaline. So, I asked, I'm guessing you brought me here for a reason? I'm not used to being willful. It feels odd. Hannah points to the Steinway. I look at it, and as usual, the song begins to trill. I look back at the three of them, unsure. You're going to play it. You're going to play the song, Larissa tells me, and I am floored by what a bad idea this is. You've got to be joking, I say almost to myself, but loud enough that they can all hear. Were you not listening last time? It wants to be played. It wants to be heard. It wants to spread. I point forcefully at the piano with each statement. I don't think that's right, Larissa says. I get a reply, but she holds up her hands and stops me. Hear me out. We've been thinking of this thing as an infection, which it's certainly presented as. But what if it's not? What if it's trapped inside you and that's why it wants to get out? I think playing it might be the only way to heal yourself. I don't know what to say to this. I'd been thinking of this thing as the enemy for so long that the idea of it being as much of a victim as me takes some time to process. Think about this, Larissa continues, seeing my hesitation. The only time you begin to feel even slightly better is when you're not fighting the song, right? But when you do fight it, you feel worse. It's like any infestation. You've got to get the parasite out before you can heal. But by fighting it, you're only holding it tighter. So do the opposite. Don't fight it. Encourage it. Play it. Do the musical equivalent of sweating it out. There's a logic to her argument that I can't deny. Plus, she's my doctor. I begin to nod slowly, admitting some truth to the idea. I still have one question, though, I say, indicating the Steinway. You realise I have a piano at my house, right? Larissa blushes. Her face is comical in its shock and shame, and I realise that's what mine must so often look like. I did not, she says. The leather of the piano stool sticks to my thigh. I'm still only wearing pyjama shorts, and despite the cold of the day, my legs are still gummy from my days of sweating. I rest my fingers lightly over the keys. They're cold and smooth, and I feel the song practically leaping around inside me from this gentle touch. I hope with everything I have that Larissa is right. I take a deep breath and begin to play. The sheet music is in front of me, but I don't need it. I know this song so intimately now that my fingers move through the notes almost without assistance from my brain at all. The song starts slow with low notes, rising in both tempo and pitch as it progresses. I feel the song inside echoing the rhythm of the keys hitting the strings and distantly I'm aware that I'm feeling the best I have in days. I'm also oddly calm, despite the fact I'm still not entirely convinced I'm not releasing a new type of plague on the world. It's hard to lower all my walls, however. I trust Larissa, I'm just not sure I trust myself, and courage has never been my strong suit. Still, there is that calm. I don't think I've ever felt a calm like it before, because in this moment I'm not thinking about myself, or how others might be thinking of me, or focusing on my own self-consciousness. I'm just playing a song. I'm just playing a song. Focusing entirely on the movement of my fingers and the beauty of the music. Everything else just slips away. Before I know it, the song is done. My fingers cease their movement and silence takes over the room. I expect to be an emotional wreck or out of breath like I was last time I played it, but I'm not. My breathing is slow and easy and I feel clear-headed and confident. I turn to the others. Their expressions are all shock and suddenly I'm worried that Larissa was wrong and the songs just infected them and I may have doomed us all. Then Sebastian says, That was... And a tear rolls down his cheek. 
Hannah's looking at me like a proud mum, and for the first time since I've met her, she's speechless. Larissa has the best reaction, though. She's smiling her wide, round-cheeked smile, and her eyes are shining. She's half laughing, half crying as she approaches me, and I think she's about to say something approving and proud, but instead she leans forward and, still laughing, presses her lips to mine. Her laughter bubbles against my mouth, and I kiss her back. Soon I'm laughing too, in between the kisses, and I don't think I've ever felt this happy. So, I take it it worked? Hannah asked once Larissa managed to pull herself from me. No, I say. And I realised that while I felt good playing the song and that its effect on the audience of three was no doubt positive, it's still there under my skin and I'm still sick. I think it helped, I tell them. But no, it's still with me. The joy that had filled the room deflates a little and I almost wish I had told them I was cured. Well, no problem. We'll just have to keep trying, Hannah says. Maybe if you tried playing the song on a different instrument. Maybe, Larissa says. Although I think it's something else. We know the song wants to be heard, but what if we weren't a big enough audience? What? I ask. Well, you said that playing it just now helped. What if it needs an audience like the size it had when you first heard it? Larissa asked me. I think of all the people who were there at the festival that day. Then I think of me standing in front of them. Not just standing, but having to perform. The residual calm leaves me and suddenly I feel very much like I always do. Scared and afraid. The song begins to play, but... Oddly, this time, I'm sure it's trying to comfort me. The wind blows cold against my warm face as I walk along the dock's edge. Larissa's idea sits inside me uncomfortably, next to the song that is actually feeling more agreeable now. It's not that I think it's a bad idea, quite the opposite. It's just the thought of playing to that many people terrifies me. I swallow and my throat's not so sore. I'm heading towards the organised jumble of freight containers. I don't have any real destination or purpose, I just needed time to think. Hannah and Sebastian jumped on the idea immediately, both suggesting venues and offering to print flyers and all sorts of helpful and horrifying things. It was too much. I climbed down the small rocky barrier towards the freight containers. There's a number off to the side that look abandoned and aged, and I decide to look inside them. The first one is rusted through in spots and has an odd smell to it, but it's large, larger than I realised having never seen one of these up close before. The next one I enter is red, and without rusted through holes, is dark inside and quiet. The constant wash of the ocean disappears as the large door slowly closes behind me. It's peaceful. I walk along the walls, running my hand across the dust that's been accumulating for however long this container has sat here. I get to the far back corner and my foot hits something. I bend down and feel it. Old cloth of some kind, with something harder inside. Turning on my phone's torch, I kneel and wrestle with the cloth. I can tell the thing inside is wooden and rectangular, but the fabric is snagged and I have to really yank to get it away. It tears in my hands, and through the small beam of artificial light I see something that stops my breath. A rose and thorns, carved and twisting and inlaid into the wood. I tear back the rest of the cloth, and sure enough, there sits the clavichord, the exact same one the woman was playing on the day I became infected. I'm unsure what to do. It looks harmless enough, but weeks of sickness stay in my hand. Then the song wriggles against my skin, softly, gently, lovingly. It's running up and down my arms and into my hands, and it's clearly telling me to pick up the instrument. I do, and the world drops away around me. I land in the shadow of the theatre building, breathing sharply. Except I don't land, I'm just there transported somehow. 
I realise I'm sitting and the clavichord is in my lap. I look up, although I already have an idea what to expect. I'm at the festival. In front of me is the crowd, all of whom watch the stage as the Brazilian drummers enter. I try to calm my breathing. I try to maintain my confidence. I try not to freak out entirely at the fact that I have travelled through time. Now is not the time for a panic attack. Or maybe it is, but I refuse to let myself have one. The drummers start, and I think of Larissa. She told me I needed to perform in front of a crowd. I readjust myself and make sure the clavichord is centred on my lap. I place my hands over the keys and the nerves rise in my chest, near to suffocating me. He goes nothing, I think. He goes everything. I begin. The song pours out of the instrument under my fingers and begins weaving itself through the crowd. I'm sweating already and the notes aren't coming out right. They're exactly as I remember, wobbly and unsure. I raise my eyes slightly and notice that not many but a few of the crowd have turned to look at me. Their expressions tell me nothing, they just watch. I lick my lips but my mouth's gone dry. My fingers start to tremble and sweat's getting in my eyes. I hear comments and murmurs emanating from the crowd and I'm sure they're all about me. My heart races faster in a way that hurts, in a way that's familiar. Panic. In a sense, I'm right. But I'm also wrong. The me the comments are for aren't the me sitting in a shadow playing an instrument carved with roses. Therefore the me who is at that moment jostling their way through the crowd trying to escape the sound I'm creating. My eyes raise once more and through the jumble of bodies I see her. Me. Scared and afraid and deep in the grasp of panic. Then a realisation hits. I don't need to be nervous. I don't need to be scared. I don't need to worry about what might happen because I already know what's going to happen. Technically, it already has. I've done this performance before. I smile, confused and amazed, and the song rings through me, welcoming what's about to happen. The other me, the scared me, stumbles out of the crowd and the song clicks into gear under my fingers. It becomes right, and so do I. Once more, I get lost in the playing, lost in the music. Sweat drips, but not through nervousness and not because of sickness, but because I am giving my all to the song. Because the song is giving its all right back, thundering under my skin as though an entire orchestra is contained within it. I glance up through my lashes as the song rises to its peak. The other me watches, transfixed, and I think about all she is about to go through. How soon a fever will burn through her, leaving her cleansed and reborn. The song reaches its crescendo and I feel it rise up, gather somewhere near my chest and burst from me. It's like a valve has been released. The music gushes forward and finally, relievingly, even a little regrettably, it leaves. It slams into the other me and I see her drop to the ground. It's the last thing I see. My eyes open but all I see is black. My hands reach out and one of them hits something. It's my phone. I turn it over and the torch, still on, lights up the space around me. I'm back in the freight container, the clavichord still on my lap. I stand, keeping hold of the instrument. I figure it's mine now, and walk out of the metal box and into the cold of the winter sun. I breathe in the cold air. I've never felt so good. I feel like I could do anything. I might just take Hannah and Sebastian up on their offer to perform somewhere. I am practiced at it now. Although, I might ask for a smaller venue to begin with. Maybe I'll play some of my songs, or maybe some of Mum's, see if Dad would like to come. I'll definitely kiss Larissa again, do a better job of it this time. Ask her if, as my doctor, maybe she'd like to give me a proper checkup, or perhaps just watch a movie together.
I hum the song under my breath as I cross the concrete and think about how you never realise how good feeling healthy feels until after you've been sick. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to finish this episode off, I've recorded some afterthoughts, which detail where the idea for this story came from and any challenges I faced while writing it. If that feels too self-indulgent for your taste, fair enough. But if that sounds like your kind of thing, then listen on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I came to writing late in that I was never the kid scribbling stories for mum and dad or the moody teen with a notepad and pen never far from their hands. I loved stories. Reading and then later TV was undoubtedly my most time-consuming pastimes, but I never wrote any myself outside of a now-defunct webcomic. And then I did. It was quite literally a choice. I was unsatisfied with my job, which was working in labs, as before writing I'd completed a science degree, and I wanted a creative outlet that I hoped I could also make a living off, although that part was less important. So I applied for a Masters of Screenwriting course, quickly wrote a couple of scripts as part of the application, and got in. And that was that. I was a writer. Not a good writer, mind, but a writer nonetheless, as I firmly believe that anyone who writes is a writer. In order to earn the good part, you have to write. A lot. So, using what I had learned from the master's course, that's what I began to do. Writing scripts and screenplays, as well as some prose. This story was one of the first prose stories that I wrote. I remember labouring over it, wanting every word to be right, every sentence to be writery, for it to pair up to all the writers that I had read and loved. And so, I overwrote it. Not so much in the sense that I think it's bloated or all tell no show, but Reading back over it to prepare it for this podcast, I could see how past me was so desperate to impress that it hit thesaurus.com pretty damn hard, using words that are not in my regular vocabulary. Now, I would do my best to avoid that. Getting the perfect word can be satisfying, but I also subscribe to the adage to never use a long word when a short one will do. I decided to leave a few in for this reading. I also found that I over-explained my character's emotional state, a habit I am still guilty of, but one I usually manage to pare back in the rewriting. 
Again, I know why I did this. Past me and present me wants to ensure the audience is feeling the full brunt of the emotions of the story. That's part of why we read stories. And so to make sure that happens, I smack them in the face with a sledgehammer of emotion. And the last writing quirk I picked up on was that I often wrote body parts as separate to the self. A lot. What I mean by this is things like, my eyes decide to watch her mouth as she spoke, or my ears chose not to listen to what he was saying. Which isn't the worst thing you can do, as I'm sure a reader will understand the intent of what I'm saying, and even imply that these things might happen almost against the character's will. But like I said, I did it a lot. To the point that these various body parts were basically characters in and of themselves. But body parts aren't characters. Unless, of course, you're writing a story from the POV of an anthropomorphized organ. But I wasn't, and so it was too much. So those were the negatives. But the positives was that I still mostly liked this story. I applaud past me for taking the risk to write it in first-person present tense, which was done through ignorance as much as it being a ballsy cognizant choice, but definitely adds something different to the writing and gives it a more intimate and immediate tone. I also still like the idea behind it. We've all been infected with an earworm before, a song we find ourselves singing for days on end, unable to get rid of, and this was an extension of that. And I like that in order to treat a musical malady, you needed a musician as much as a doctor. I think what I liked most about coming back to this story was the opportunity to revisit something I wrote and see where I've come from and where I'm going. Like I said, I came to writing late, and so I haven't had much chance or distance to be able to step back and see that view. I think if I had to rewrite this story today, I would change things. I think I would make it less serious, bring in some humour, as well as go further down the other end as well and make it darker, bring in a touch of horror. I also think I would make the earworm thing more literal, make the song an actual parasite and the music some pop tune that has been played to death on the radio, so much so that it's managed to mutate and take on a life of its own. That would be the ultimate next step to this experiment. First, go over a story you wrote however long ago and analyse it. Figure out the pros and cons, recognise the writer you were and the writer you are now, and then start from scratch and rewrite the whole thing from your current sensibilities. Then... In 10 years' time, do it again. I've just done a Google search and found that the most pop songs are in C major. So, watch this space. Infected in C major, coming soon. Alright, those are all my thoughts. But if you have any that you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at MiddayPajamas. Until next time, this has been Short Tales. And I've been Damien Robb. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 